You're listening to the Performance Group Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Kirby, and on the Performance Group Podcast, we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community. If you're new to the show, we have spoken to business leaders, community, organizers, friends, and family. And before we jump in today, I hope to ask you for a favor. If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts. It would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at the Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. So you've got how many employees? We have 11 employees. 11 employees. And it's... Element 212 or is it 212? 212. 212, okay. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure when you read it, it's just a number, so. Yeah. Nope. Element 212. Is that for a particular reason? Is that magnesium? What is that? Well, it's the degree in which water boils. And so we were just playing around with ideas of, you know, what our core mission is as a company. And our, our desire is to help businesses really move from you know, you could say hot to boiling, finding that element that really makes a change in their business. And so when we were looking at all the different names and playing around with things, we're like, oh, the degree in which water boils, that one thing that, you know, moving it, that one degree that makes all the difference. And so we just played around with that. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So it's we, a great explanation. It's a good, yeah, yeah. good reason for me to ask. And it sounds cool. I like I like the name. Element 212. So when when you started, was it just you and him, or did you guys have staff when you first? Yeah, actually, when we first started, it was myself and a part-time designer. So Todd came on uh, in 2009. So I started it in 2008. Okay. And then in 2009, Todd came on helping with sales and a little bit of business development. And we continued to grow. And then in 2016, I made him CEO of the company so I could spend more time with the kids, which still didn't really happen but um (laughs) there's just always so much work but um yeah we just you know slowly grew over the years kept acquiring a couple new employees and you know we're still not as big as we want to be but you know we're getting there yeah it's all part of the journey so it's to 2021 i I can't it's hard for me to say out loud Mm -hmm. because it's hard to believe that it's 2021 so then um as some people who have just been listening in the first couple minutes of this, mm-hmm. um, welcome to the Performance Group Podcast. I am joined here today by Tammy Coleman mm-hmm. of Element 212, yep. the boiling point of your marketing. Ah. Ah. <laughs> so, um, Tammy, let's kind of get started. I want to back things up. Okay. So, let's start with where are you from? How did you get here? How did you get into branding, marketing, and all the things that you're into today? Okay, so I'm from Rockford, Illinois, right outside Chicago. And I did part of my undergrad at Columbia College in Chicago, which is an art school, and got a taste of marketing back then, loved it. So I ended up taking that route. And in, let's see, 2007, ended up moving uh, to Anderson, Indiana, and just randomly chose it. We, really? Yeah, yeah. So we um, had a friend in Utah where we used to live and took over. He asked me if I would help him with his business. So we took over his kind of advertising company called College Displays at the time. And so we were running it out of the house and able to go wherever we wanted. And so we randomly chose. I wanted to come back to the Midwest, which was my roots because we were in Utah at the time. 
So we came here in 07. You must not have done a lot of research to choose um, Anderson. Well, we were actually looking at Hamilton County for a year. I was looking at Fishers and Noblesville, and Todd said at the time, well, the taxes seem a little high in Hamilton County, not so wrong. let's look around some other areas. So we ended up choosing Madison County randomly and, uh, you know, um, pros and cons, but huh. I think there were a lot of good things that came out of starting out here and... Uh, you know, we enjoy it. Yeah, we're yeah, glad that we you're here it. as fellow Madison yeah. Countyans. The flagship enterprise was a really uh, nice resource to have that we did utilize when we first moved here. So we came here and had college displays, and um, I got that to a point where I was able to sell those shares and got that business fixed and going fine. In the meantime, I started Element 212, which at the time was community networks, so... Um, Element 212 is a DBA of Community Networks. And so, um, yeah, so built that, started that in 2008. and Good time to be in marketing. It, yeah, I suppose. Kind of a scary time to start a business because it was right after the housing bubble. And um, we were amazed that we were able to get a, a small business loan through PNC locally. Worked with Georgette, for those of you who know Georgette <laughs> still, if she's even out there doing anything anymore. This was quite a while ago. Thank you, Georgette. Yes, thank you. So, um, but um, our very, very first loan was through um, uh, Adams. Bankable. Group. Yes, Bankable. Uh, they gave us a $17,000 loan to get the business started. And so that was super huge. So it was really fun that we were the, the very first flagship enterprise center small business loan. When they oh, you started. were? We were the first one. Oh, yep. no way. Yep. Adam's on one of our earlier episodes. So okay. Adam Hoeksema, episode seven, maybe. That's just a guess. Yeah. And this will be episode 19, I think. Okay. So go yeah. back and listen to his. Okay. It's crazy to think that he was just a kid. Oh, my gosh. He was just a he kid. He was, yeah, completely wet behind the ears, but super, super smart guy. So he's really done he's well brilliant. for himself. Yeah. Yeah. But that was really awesome. So we were the first ones to get the loan through the flagship. And then um, through working with PNC, established that loan, and we were able to pay the flagship loan back within, I think it was like six months, something like that's that. That's what it's so, for, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was really great. So, um, yeah, so that's where we came from and sort of how we got started. That's crazy. So, yeah, you landed as a transplant in Anderson, Indiana. Mm-hmm, yep. And now you're a decade into it. A yeah. decade in a couple of years, right? Yeah, 13 years. And you said you have kids? How many kids do you have? Three kids. Three kids. Boy, yeah. girl, girl, boy. Boy, boy, girl, Oldest girl. Oldest is a boy. He's off in the Army now. He left in Thank July. you for his service. Yeah, yeah. It's very, he loves it. He loves Good. it. So it's really awesome. So he's in uh, Fort Lee, Virginia right now. And then two girls, a junior and a freshman at Anderson High School. Fun. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And the whole time you're running a business and whole it started time. in your garage? It started in our house. Um, yeah, started in a house. And then we ended up uh, renting space on Meridian Street, the incubator, the mm -hmm. Anderson incubator back then when it was that. And then in 2010, I think it was, we moved into the flagship enterprise center, which was night and day. I mean, the incubator, you're paying like 10 cents a square foot. And it was, you know, a little dive of a building, you know, and moving into the flagship where it was not cheap, you know. I mean, it was meant for, as an incubator for businesses, but it was a big step up for us going yeah. from that to the flagship. By the time we moved into the flagship, Todd was working with us part-time and um, 
I think the designer was still part-time as well. And then we had one other assistant for me because at that time I was running both companies, college displays and getting this one started. So she was kind of a flex employee just doing whatever I needed. Yeah, anything and everything. <laughs> for whatever business, yeah. Yeah, and, and then in 2009 I went back for my MBA at AU. So I was running two companies, raising three kids and getting my master's. <laughs> so it was a crazy couple of years. Full plate. Yeah. What was, made you, while you're doing all that, decide to go back and get your MBA at the same time? Well, a part of it was because I felt like I had already plateaued as, as a business owner. You know, I was new into being a business owner, but I was also very green in knowing what to do because before I started in doing all of this, I was a stay-at-home mom for yeah. what, five years before I started back working. And um, yeah, I just felt like I didn't have enough knowledge, um, vocabulary, honestly, even for running a business. And so I decided um, Erica Delarosa, um, who also used to work at the flagship, uh, was going back to a to AU for her master's, and so she was talking to me about it. And I very very last minute, I mean, I think I got my application in and everything a week before classes started, and they pushed it through for me, and so got me in. Absolutely, so very last minute, but I just thought maybe this will help, you know, grow the business and help me Has it? feel better. Um, was it worth the experience and? Now, if you look at how much something like that would cost, it's a heck of an investment. Yeah, and it was. And we just paid out of pocket. You know, we paid for it in cash. Um, but it helped mature me, I think. I was very um, rushed and I think felt so under the gun with everything that was on my plate that I've, I, I don't know, I was kind of all over the place. So I would say, if anything, it really helped um, some of those soft skills, the intangibles that... Um, was very important at the time. Mm -hmm. So, but as far as like actual learning things, no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was worth it. <laughs> Sorry, AU, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was. Yeah. But, but it's about the... The experience was... Absolutely. Well, the old college yeah. try, that's an experience, yeah. right? So yeah. it's just a little bit different. It gives you perspective. Yeah. And what was unique about the master's versus my undergrad is um, undergrad was a lot more difficult. The master's was a lot easier, partly maybe because of age, but I was able to utilize um, pieces from my business for all the different classes that I was doing. So you always had to have some kind of business model or things that you were developing you were well. building one at the same time i was time. building one at the same time so it was really cool to be able to use my company as um that that piece for whatever it was whether it was class for contracts or you know um there was a time when we were looking at expanding into muncie and so we used the business and this the class at the time for kind of laying that out and planning that out so I was able to get grades and do assignments for the betterment of my business at the same time. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Talk about killing two birds with yeah, one stone. Yeah, totally, totally. So it gives you, an, a, especially while you're raising three kids, Yeah, <laughs> an opportunity to, you know, a lot of people don't have the opportunity to work on their business. They're busy working in their business. Right. So at least it makes you look at Look at it from the outside in. Yeah, yeah. And it's crucial, the whole working on, on your business. We just hired a business coach, Tim Campsell, um, with Action Coach. Action, yeah. And he is amazing and has done a lot. We just hired him in November, and that's like a core focus right now for both Todd and I is just we are spending um, serious, dedicated time on the business. So we're really hoping 2021 is going to be that big 
that big change for us because over the years, you know, when you're, for me, I was doing a lot of client work because we didn't have the revenue to hire staff Mm -hmm. to, you know, now we do, but, um, and over the years I've slowly gotten out of being involved in the client day to day. So my focus really is operations pretty much solely anymore. So that's been really nice. So this has been, you know, an evolution and over the last couple of years we've really seen a change so that's been nice yeah it helps having good people around you and we have an amazing staff yeah amazing staff so that's cool yeah yeah and they're all local which is really nice and you're finding them through the school or some yep some through the school some through um team members have referred other people who they felt would be a great fit for the company and so that's that's been really good um and some just people we we probably get on average i don't know three or four resumes every couple of weeks. So oh, we're wow. getting, it used to be a lot. Are you hiring currently? We are. Um, what I, are you looking for, just in case so you're listening? Digital advertising. So someone who has skill set with digital advertising, we're looking to hire an assistant for Tori. And then later down the road, later this year, probably another um, brand assistant too. Someone need to help with our brand strategist. So looking probably at two, two new hires this year. Good. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. It's been a long time coming. So since 2008 is when you started your business, mm-hmm. you really have come a long way in a decade. The yeah. world's come a long way in a decade. A lot has changed over the last Talk 13 about, years. Yeah, marketing and branding in 2008 versus 2021. Oh, man. My, my favorite memory is all the discussion around social media advertising, like Facebook. Is it going to last? Is it going to be a good place to advertise and all of that? And so... Um, seeing just the change in capabilities with digital advertising has been really cool. Websites as well, you know, the way we built websites back in 2008 versus how we do now, totally different. I don't do any of those day-to-days, to dis- so to speak tactically to all those things, I couldn't do. But just the, um, I don't know, the technology has really made marketing easier, I guess, um, from a standpoint of, of proving the value of it uh, with the ROI and tracking and um, the creepiness of it as well with being able to, I mean... Yeah, I've seen that movie. Voice. What's that called? Um, the Social Dilemma on Netflix. Oh, yes. Yeah, freaks yep, me out I just enough. Yeah, the, there's a lot of creepiness to it that sometimes freaks us out even. But um, it's, it's amazing how marketing can be super intuitive for the end user and so it does make although it's creepy it makes life a lot more convenient for us so it's kind of this weird you know good cop bad cop thing i guess you could it's say. a moral dilemma it in is. some aspects it is. it's like we like the convenience of it but we also really don't like the lack of privacy that we really don't even know we don't have mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting my favorite part of marketing is the strategy and the research so i focus more on well not anymore but i did up until we just promoted kyle and he handles all of our brand insights research now but i love the the ability to really dive in and look at what um our clients customers really want like really understanding our uh, the buyer's journey of our customers um the customers of our clients and just mapping that out all the way through from, you know, cradle to grave and then doing it all over again for our clients. So I, what I love about what we do is just really that cycle 
the full cycle. And that's a four-structure cycle, correct? That is the qualitative and quantitative research, the mm-hmm. customer persona, the buyer's journey, and customer touch points. Yeah. And it's a circle. Yeah, and you build it, you build it all, and then you just continue to go back because marketing the the exhausting thing about marketing, like the post office, if you've ever, ever seen um, uh, Seinfeld with... Um, Newman. Newman, yes, yeah. where the mail never ends. Well, <laughs> marketing never ends either. I mean, every year you have a new audience. You've got people graduating college. You have people graduating high school. You've got people retiring and your point of contact's changing. So every year there's a shift in a business's um, audience that has to be evaluated, mm-hmm. as well as technology is changing all the time. And so that has to be evaluated. New opportunities are available. So it's it's exhausting, but it's also so fun because it's always changing. Yeah, it's never the same. It's never the same. Yeah. It's so. not like Mad Men. It's not a bunch of guys smoking no. cigarettes telling people what to do all day wrong. No, although we enjoy that part too. Yeah, do you? <laughs> I believe We it. do a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's kind of break down... Um, I want to talk about the four structure and then we'll get into kind of the buyer's journey that looks like a puzzle piece from your mm-hmm. LinkedIn um, webinar that I yeah. watched. Okay. So let's kind of talk about qualitative and quantitative research. To the average, no, I'm only going to say average, average Madison County business owner, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are still kind of stuck in the yellow pages age and i won't see yellow pages because nobody uses that but people don't have a dedicated marketing team right they just they rely on the referrals that they've always had Mm -hmm. and if they start drying up then maybe it's time to get out or maybe it's time to take more vacations yeah but for a young person that's coming into business or young people that are looking to start businesses and they can get loans at bankable and they Mm -hmm. just need to call adam hoaxima Mm -hmm. so Kind of talk to us about the well, what the qualitative and quantitative research does for the customer persona, the buyer's journey, and customer touch points. Yeah. So what we like to do is hear firsthand from our clients, customers, what really matters to them. In marketing, it's so easy to just make assumptions and just, oh, well, people use Facebook, so we must be, you know, we should yeah. be using Facebook or well, people search on Google, so we should be doing Google ads. Some of that may be true, but not necessarily. So... And the qualitative research is really sitting down one-on-one, and we do this both with the company and their customers. So we first go through and interview the different team members of that business so that we can really get a full picture of their internal brand, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, what are their differentiators? And we're doing this individually, so it's fun because you hear a lot of different things from from different people, but not all at the same time. So they feel free to share more honestly about their uh, weaknesses, areas of pain points, and and whatnot, so we can really get a true picture of their company. So we learn different things about their SWOT, their differentiators, the expectations they want to set, what their goals are, you know, just all this information that's valuable to really be able to position a business properly. Then we do the same thing externally. So we'll interview um, their clients, usually up to like seven different clients, and we like to get a diverse mix. So we hear firsthand from their clients how they perceive company ABC, you know, oh, whatever. Wow. That's so, a scary feeling. So it is. Some people are afraid to do it, you know, but um, the information we gain is invaluable. So, you know, you're working with, you know, ABC Insurance Company. Well, why did you choose them? You know, what? Were, how did you articulate the need or the pain that that you had before you were looking for an insurance company. 
you know, what, um, what caused you to think that ABC might be right for you, you know, and so on and so forth, and really getting those good qualitative questions, and it's a conversation, so you're able to see body language and, you know, really hear from them, and you're doing that with, you know, up to like seven different customers, so you're getting that good qualitative information, and then we do the quantitative where we send out the digital survey, and we do the same thing for the team members, so mm -hmm. they're both getting the same we're getting information from both the company and their customers to really see where are the gaps. So ABC insurance company may be saying, this is why people choose us. This is where they're finding us. This is yeah. what they love about us. We may be hearing something completely different from the customer side. So it really gives us a better foundation to plan a marketing strategy and to help position the company better in a way that will resonate with what their audience really is saying and looking for. So um, I love that part of it and we started doing that back I developed this back in 2009 I think it was the first kind of initial concept of it and we were doing it for free because when people would hire us to like build a website and I'm like well I don't know how to position the content I don't know how, what the sitemap should be until I really understand the customer so we actually started doing this way way back and um, decided at one point to say okay well we need to create this into its own deliverable because you know it was valuable enough that we felt like okay time to start charging for this yeah <laughs> instead of including it in the website development so it spawned from that from just i need to know more i can't do i can't put together something that i believe in if i don't know enough and so um we've developed that into its own deliverable as piece as a piece of the marketing strategy so I think that's something that's missed a lot in small businesses. Yeah. It's scary to go and ask, hey, why did you choose me? And worse off, why didn't you choose me? It is. On the ones that who passed you up. It is. And it's fun because Developer Tone, we did this for them a few years back. They're over in Broad Ripple, a SaaS company. And they were one of the first uh, clients that we had that allowed us to interview loss leads. So people who never chose them. Um, they felt like it was valuable enough to allow us to do that. So we're like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, so since then, we have had a few companies, TableXI in Chicago, we're doing the second round of brand insights for them, actually. And um, you get so much valuable information from the loss leads of why they didn't choose you. So you're seeing both, you know, and getting a lot better perspective of where opportunity really lies for the business. But um, yeah, it's, yeah. So the qualitative and quantitative research is that first thing that you need to do to then be able to help create the customer personas. And then you're matching that to what are the touch points. And so for a lot of people, they don't even know, understand what a touch point is, but anywhere that a customer is engaging with your brand is a touch point. And so we utilize that information and we review where are all the touch points and are they consistent? Is it positioned right? And where else can you add more meaningful touch points? Um, you know, as you're creating a proposal for a client, what, how many touches are they getting between the time that you're t talking to them initially and you're giving them the bid? What, what, are, what other opportunities lie? And then after the proposal, what other opportunities are there to really help them understand enough about your business to say yes to you. So those are the kinds of things, they, all those pieces work together um, to you know create something that's really sound. For it's cohesive. It's cohesive. It doesn't seem as broken up as, hey, I'll call you once a year and check yeah. on your insurance. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a process and marketing really is a process for a business. It's not just an act to try and get leads, it's developing a relationship 
in the best way that's going to showcase the company in the way that they really are. You never want to lie about who your company is. So really positioning the company properly and positioning them for um, really reaching that right audience. Because a lot of people say, not everybody has to be your customer, you mm-hmm. know, and you want to you want to attract who really is ideal for your business, not just, you know, shotgun approach and trying to get as many people as you can, because that's not necessarily right either. And yeah. you're spending money on advertising to an audience that really isn't right for you, you know, so we try and uncover who's right for them and then develop strategies around attracting those people. Well, and that's how, you know, the Internet's changed versus billboards back in the day, the billboard could only see whoever drove past it and maybe some of them actually saw it and decided Mm -hmm. to purchase versus targeted ads on Facebook or whatever you want to call it, Google ads Mm -hmm. that are going after people that are looking up keywords right? who are already prepared to buy. They just need someone to buy from. Yeah. Yeah. It's changed the game. Yeah. It's, yeah. Digital advertising has really grown and it it is, It's, it's changed so much that it's, it's really exciting and it's very empowering. It can be very empowering to businesses, um, but it's also very overwhelming, I think, to a lot of companies who just really don't understand the, the power that you know online marketing really can have for your business. Well, and so let's speak to that power. So three months ago, I found this, um, well, I was stalking you on LinkedIn oh, last nice. night. So three months ago, <laughs> is that true? Yes, that is true. So can, can, I, can I say that sure. on, on air? So I'm going to read this. It says, um, we want to tell you a story of an out for a store whose ad performance increased by over 1,000%. And that is um, the Outfitter store ad performed over 1,000% during the pandemic. And that is the locally owned Cowpokes. Yes. Cowpokes has been a client of ours for three years. I think we're entering our fourth year now. What? Cha- I mean, just... They- shoved a bunch of money online or we, what, what was we the difference? Re- well, because people couldn't come into the store, we re- reallocated the way we approach their digital advertising and um, changed their budgets up a little bit and added a couple different platforms to really hone in on the e-commerce. And Tori, who oversees their digital advertising, just killed it. Yeah. And they and I, honestly, them and Modern Trailer Sales have both and modern was like crazy because you know they, they don't, don't have any inventory yeah yeah oh they yeah they were just yeah manufacturers weren't making and so and they were selling like crazy but both cowpokes and uh, modern trailer sales saw amazing growth throughout covid which is uh, crazy but cowpokes was positioned well you know with having um e-commerce which a lot of businesses didn't and i was sharing with you earlier when i came in that that's what we're seeing a lot of right now people are wanting e-commerce websites now because um not only in case there's a second wave of a pandemic but people's buying habits have really changed over this last year because it's been forced to change like i mentioned in my webinar i um started grocery shopping from my house now we do we usually i don't know the last time i went in the grocery store same as it's the craziest thing and i never ever in a million years thought i would do it that way and it's so convenient and now i love it yeah i wouldn't do it any other way now (laughs) it's amazing and so people are seeing that shift as well um and if they are not seeing it they should see it that there is a major change in just the way people are buying but e-commerce is um is huge and it's only gonna it's only gonna grow so, but yeah, Cowpokes, it was amazing the way um, Tori and Cheyenne as their brand strategist, they just 
jumped in and we, with our clients, we paused on fees so we didn't charge our clients for digital advertising during a couple of months. Oh, wow. Um, because they weren't able to have people in the store, but we didn't want to stop and lose traction on what was going on. So we continued and we were super flexible and did a lot of last minute videos and information for them to be able to provide for their their customers. But um, Tori was just on it with our clients and shifting strategies and um, Cowpokes really, they did amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So and do you, then that's retail. So for like some of your service type businesses, mm-hmm. have you, I mean, there's no e-commerce true opportunity there unless you turn it into like a SaaS program, right. some subscription model-esque. Yeah. Are you asking? Have, How do you transition for some of those? You see all these retailers that are switching to e-commerce. What's the big, well, yeah. what's the big push for service people? You have enough work. Right. Yeah. But you want more work, and then you're at capacity, and then you have to hire. You know, what I mean, it's this never-ending cycle. Right. That you see a lot of, at least we work a lot of contractors and people like that on the accounting side and stuff like that, and they go, I mean, it feels like as soon as I get this paycheck, it's back out the door." Yeah. Because you know, I've got the next bill to pay. Yeah. Or now I've got to hire somebody. Yeah. You are growing your business, mm-hmm. which is important. Mm-hmm. But how do you do it without? How do you grow your bottom line? I guess. Yeah. Especially with digital marketing. Yeah. That's a good question, and it really depends on the industry, I suppose. But I mean, how you grow your bottom line is, you know, being more efficient in the work that you're doing. Yeah. A, you know, utilize the technology that's out there. Advertising aside, marketing aside, I mean, that's like top line growth. But you know, the whole thing of working on your business and finding the right kinds of software and efficiencies that can help streamline your processes um, is one way, mm-hmm. but you know, it really depends on on the business. Yeah, absolutely. And would you say that the majority that you see now that are getting into more and more of this more um, e-marketing stuff is retail side? Or would you say you're seeing more and more service side get into it? Um, it is more retail. I'm trying to think of like some of the leads that we've, that we've had recently that have been requesting um, so like one, it, no, they're e-commerce too. So Red Hill, Red Hill um, uh, Fiber, Fiber Mill, that's a new lead that we're talking to right now. But they have e-commerce too. I think most of the people right now that we're working with, they, they do have some kind of availability online with yeah. service, you know, Unless you're able to make something into a subscription. Actually, that's not true. There is one, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Um, so there's a company that we're working with called Roof Watcher that is creating a subscription-based model for um, helping uh, property owners maintain the safety of their home um, through a storm tracker type of model. Yeah. As an insurance agent. Um, they are, they're not an insurance agent, but they are, um, looking at including that into their service. So that's something that's coming down the line, but they've got this awesome technology that can track storms and notifying so that they're looking to work with property managers and snowbirds and, you know, people who have multiple homes as another layer of their insurance. So they're building out a subscription base that we're building Smart. on our website right now. So, I mean, if there, if there are ways to, you know, provide your service through uh, some kind of subscription, that is definitely the way to go. It's, it's what people expect in younger generations. Amazon's changed everything. I mean, it's changed retail and it's changed yeah. kind of service stuff. Yeah. 
yeah. People and, expect it in different different yeah. ways than they used to. And there are a lot of different opportunities to be able to provide um, service like the SaaS. You know, there's a lot of different ways to develop a business into a SaaS model that. Um, I think as technology continues to change and these younger people who are super smart are coming out of college, like understanding it all better, um, I think I think we're going to see a lot of growth in that area. Yeah, and it really speaks to the second piece on here, the customer persona, the target market, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to call it, mm-hmm. is you don't need to touch 100,000 people to yeah. make $100,000 anymore. You don't. You can no. touch 100 people. Yeah. Make a hundred thousand yeah. dollars now. It's changed the entire world. Yeah, the mar- just the way business is done, with it all being like SaaS and online, it's less expensive to start a business. It's less expensive to run a business. Um, just just even for our own company, the the drop that we've seen in our fixed costs because we don't use paper anymore we don't you know everything's cloud-based we don't have to have a server we used to have a server in our office and all of that i mean we don't we got a use, closet one yeah, right next to yeah, us yeah we i mean our our expenses for just the overhead for our company has dropped so significantly people are working out of co-op spaces or out of their home you know twitter i think with covid I don't even think they're going back to their offices. Why would you? Yeah. So it's so it's so much easier to start a business and reach people differently that, um, yeah, that you can do a lot more with reaching a, a lot smaller audience. Yeah. And a lot of businesses now, it seems like they are much more niche. People are trying to create... Um, specialties and and target niche audience groups as well. So we're not trying to be all things to all people, but really specialize in different areas, which when you are a true specialist in an area and you can really differentiate that, you can really do well for yourself. Yeah, and it's also you can charge yeah, more. Yeah, that's the, you if, can be if a you're premium. the who's who, then yeah. it's, it changes everything. Yeah. I don't need to make $100 from 10,000 people. I just need to make $1,000 from 100 people. Right. Yeah. Less overhead, less employees, yeah. less headaches. It's true. So finding your finding your niche is, is key. Yeah. yeah. This place is only going to keep growing. This yeah. space, I guess. And that is kind of a part of what we want to uncover with the qualitative and quantitative. Like, who are they marketing to that they shouldn't be? Where are you wasting your dollars? And is there a way to really hone in on, you know, a specialty service that you do mm-hmm. that um, that is an opportunity for your business that they may not even be aware of, you know? Yeah. So... Um, research is really important, you know, when you're when you're getting going. So, if you were to be speaking to um, like-minded Madison County individuals who are business owners, and they say, "Well, how do I get started if I don't have this big, you know, lump sum to get into the e field?" Would you just say, "Start asking your customers questions," or what? What would be the main questions to ask your customers? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you don't have Survey monkeys, you know what I mean? Like, how do you even 30% open rate on email? So, how do you get. So, you're asking me if they don't have a budget for marketing, but they want to do the research. Most of these people that I'm speaking about probably have never even thought about a budget for marketing, anyways. They're just trying to deal with what's coming in and haven't had the time to take a step back and look at their business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're planning on taking a step back to really look at who your audience is and say, okay, let, let, me, let me get some insight first before I start spending money on advertising, which may not be the right place to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, SurveyMonkey, utilizing SurveyMonkey. The, the, the biggest thing is 
when you're doing research, you want honest answers. And so if you're pushing out a survey to your own customers and they know that you're going to see it, they mm-hmm. may not be honest. That's why it's always recommended to utilize a third party um, to do the research because it's it's pointless if you're not going to get honest feedback. That sounds like we're going to hurt some feelings with that. Yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But if you can't do that for whatever reason and you decide, well, I still want to get you know feedback from our customers you know utilizing survey monkey and finding the you know asking questions around the buyer's journey okay how did they learn about you what what kinds of terminology do they use when they're explaining their pain when they're um, searching online where are they searching what kind of resources and tools are they using what mattered to them most about um you know your business why did they consider your business um, those kinds of questions, what helped them make that ultimate decision to hire your company over the competition. Uh, those kinds of questions where you can really learn um, what matters to your customer. And then also learning where opportunity lies. Uh, Table XI, when we did their interviews, the two huge things came out for them that changed their business. They ended up hiring a business development person based off of the brand insights because what we uncovered was they were leaving money on the table with every single client. There was more opportunity, but they were so, um, they didn't have a person dedicated to going back to them um, that they, so they were just so caught up in the project that they were just leaving money on the table. So, you know, uncovering opportunities from your customers, you know, what else can we be doing for you? Less Where, transactional, more of that yes, circle more, we were talking yeah, about Yeah, what before. does this relationship mean to you? What do you want it to look like? Those kinds of things are really important. So when we were asking about opportunities with Table XI, they were like, we had more work for them. Every single person, we had more work and they never, they never asked. Then just never don't know got if you don't up. ask, right? And they were busy and they didn't think to go back. And so it's just, you know, that was just something there. And then just the perception that the clients had of TableXI, that they were a development company. They didn't see them as a design company, but that's who TableXI wanted to be seen as. This design yeah. SaaS, you know, we're, we're working with you from strategy all the way through ideation to launching the app, you know, or prototyping. And so they helped the brain insights really helped them reposition who they were like for them to, to, you know, they hired more designers and for them to really show in their content and in the way they position themselves that we really are, we're a strategic company. We have the design capabilities. So if you want to learn, you know, how you should be positioning yourself, if you think you're this way, but a customer doesn't see you that way, those are things you want to uncover because they weren't resonating with the right audience because they, you know, they were trying to attract an audience that was wanting to work with them through the strategy and the design and that whole thing, not just be augmented staff for um, coding and developing. And so they didn't, you know, they learned through the brand insights that, you know, what they were doing wrong and we help reposition them with that. But um, if for your own business, if you're thinking, I'm not, I don't think we're getting the right client. Why is that? You know, and asking those kinds of questions. So that's one place to start. Yeah. yeah. You start start asking questions. Yeah. Start getting answers you don't like and then fix it from there. It's true. It's true. You will get some answers you don't like, but it's valuable information. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of really good nuggets and really good insight and a lot of things that people should be, well, I just wrote down an entire page of notes of things that I'm going to start working on as soon as you walk out the door. Yeah. Actually, I'll just bug you for another hour and a half. <laughs> 
I know you don't have a meeting till two. Of course not. <laughs> I heard you. Oh, why did I say yeah, that? Yeah, you shouldn't have said that when you walked in. <laughs> did so, I say two? I meant 12. 12. I got to go. There's a two in that. All right. So, Tammy, thank you so much. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Adam Hoaxma, I really appreciate um, you introducing the two of us. If people need to get a hold of you at 212, how do they do so? Element 212. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they do so? And... Yeah. Sales pitch, go. Yeah, sales pitch. Okay, so Elevator pitch. we are online. Uh, if you're looking to try and find, attract, and retain your ideal customer, we're the ones for you. Um, we work with really any size business. I mean, we really do because our goal is we want to help companies achieve their goals. I mean, we really want to see them succeed. So if you're looking to up your marketing game, visit element212.com. You can email me at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, at element212.com or call us at 317-296-7314. Hey, guys. Thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group Podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly, which is Sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week.